Hey, hey, Lauren here. Let's not mince words, okay? The left is a mess. Not only are they actively trying to trans your kids through things like hormone blockers or mutilating surgeries, but they also seem intent to let criminals run the streets through things like soft on crime policies. Well, here with me today to discuss how we can fight back against the insanity is the one and only Senator Marsha Blackburn, who represents the great state of Tennessee. Senator, thank you so much for joining us. So the first thing that I want to get your take on is the whole transgender children issue. Tennessee, your home state has just banned gender affirming care for children, what the right is calling, frankly, mutilation, things like surgeries, as well as hormone blockers. These are procedures that the White House, the Biden administration itself has actually come out in favor for. What is your take on the issue? Because it seems like this is increasingly polarizing a lot of parents. Lauren, from what I know, lawmakers in Tennessee are attempting to protect children and to make certain that children are not going to be exposed to some of these gender dysphoria concepts, that they're not going to be receiving care uh, or receiving these treatments without there being parental participation. So from my, what I understand from the state legislators is the goal is to make certain that they are protecting children. And how do you think that the Biden administration fits into all of this? Because obviously individual states have taken very different stances on this issue. We have places like California, which have essentially come out a sanctuary state saying that they will do whatever procedures, uh, maybe perhaps without even parental consent. Do you think that Biden, by having people like Dylan Mulvaney on, is perhaps emboldening those types of actions that are in very, I, I would say, stark conflict from at least a lot of the parents that I know what their wishes are for their children. What I do know is that the states that are blue states that have uh, leadership that is coming from the left, they're allowing all of this to continue to take place. In Tennessee, what they are seeking to do is to protect children from some of these practices that as you have heard from so many teachers and child psychologists, children are not of the age to make these decisions on their own. Right. And something else that I want to quickly touch on is that it is International Women's Month, apparently. And I don't know if you've seen this, but actually to celebrate this, we've had a company like Hershey actually feature a, a trans woman as part of their ad campaign. Uh, we've also very famously, Daniel Mulvaney, I mentioned earlier, has come out as one of the forefront uh, at of the, I guess, feminist movement nowadays, strangely uh, advocating for, he claims, women. Uh, you kind of went viral several months ago for your interaction with Katanji Brown-Jackson. But just to touch base again, are you still certain of your definition of a woman or has your has your opinion changed uh, in any so, way since you last spoke about yes, it? I am so certain of the definition of the word woman. And I think it's so interesting that dictionary.com said their word of the year was woman because it had been Googled so much. And it is wonderful that we celebrate the uniqueness of women today. Absolutely. And I find it interesting that you have such a 
an amazing career. You have a family. You're so accomplished in so many different ways. And yet when you had this interaction uh, with now Justice Brown, you were actually attacked by a lot of leftists. Do you do you feel as a strong, independent, empowered woman that there's any perhaps a double standard with how the, the left likes to treat women who happen to go against their narrative while at the same time claiming to be for propping women up? You know, Lauren, I have always found that to be so incredibly interesting because conservative women women are independent-minded, and they um, like to think issues through. And when you look at the left, they want women that are going to basically uh, take that mentality of everybody has to believe the same thing, the group think. Uh, No one has the ability to vary even one little tiny bit from what the left says should be the narrative for women. And I just find that so incredibly interesting. I know women that are so accomplished that do so many different things. Some who are independents, Republicans, Democrats, they know how to define the word woman and they celebrate the uniqueness for women, for their daughters. And they want to make certain that that continues. Well said. And now something that I do actually consider a woman's issue as well is crime. And right now, D.C. is in the news because of a crime bill that at least city council is all in favor of, or they were previously. looks like they're backtracking since they don't have popular support for it. But we see constantly the left trying to do things like uh, decrease the penalties for actual, you know, what a lot of people would say are violent crimes, things like burglaries and carjackings. We've seen in in places like Chicago how the soft on crime approach has worked out for the everyday citizen. Uh, It's a lot more dangerous there than it used to be. What do you think is is the goal right now with with what's happening in D.C. and trying to lower these penalties? Is this the future of criminal justice or is this sending a signal to criminals that, hey, we're, we're, we're looking the other way a lot of the time. So you guys can, I guess, have your way with the town. I think it's so appropriate that my Tennessee colleague, Senator Bill Haggerty, has moved forward with this resolution of disapproval of what the D.C. Council was seeking to do to reduce these penalties, to let more criminals off the hook, if you will. And now sending that message as we go to the floor to vote on this resolution of disapproval, you're going to see Democrats join with Republicans. And it is important to begin to rein these leftist policies in. This soft on crime approach, this defund the police approach, this uh, don't put any criminals in jail and do away with bail. Those approaches have not served our nation well. And as you see the rise in crime, not only in these major cities, but across the country. You also have to look at the southern border with the gangs that are coming across that border, with the cartels that are setting up drug and sex trafficking distribution hubs in our communities, the gangs that are working out of these cartel hubs. These are items that should be top of mind for policymakers. And certainly, we should be listening to local law enforcement that is telling us what is going on, how these crimes are happening, how these 
cartel rings, uh, gangs are working together and making our communities less safe. And I'm glad you mentioned the southern border because I absolutely believe that this fits into the whole soft on crime approach because predictably, as the Biden administration has signaled really internationally that they're not going to be strongly enforcing the U.S.'s immigration laws, we have seen surges of illegal immigrants coming through the border, uh, yes, carrying things like fentanyl, sadly, human trafficking as well. It's almost as if when you tell people you're not going to punish them for doing something, there's an incentive to do it. But on the other side of the issue, because I have I have to mention this, we have people on the left who will always say that, well, hang on a second, the United States has one of the highest incarceration rates on the planet. We could still lower the incarceration a lot and, you know, be on par with other developed nations. We're incarcerating too many people. What would your response be to that? I guess, you know, keeping in mind that as, as places like New York have moved toward the abolished police, uh, I guess, uh, defund law enforcement movement, we have seen spikes in crime. You know, Lauren, it is so important. If people do the crime, they do the time. And we are a nation of laws. We abide by the rule of law. And it is important that we do that. That is how people have the ability to live their lives and exercise and enjoy the freedoms that they have. So let's keep the rule of law. When people break it, when they are trafficking drugs, when they are committing crimes, when they're carrying out carjackings and burglaries, then they need to be punished for committing those crimes. And how do you think the average American right now is looking at the Democratic Party? Because we've seen that in all of uh, essentially the cities where these crime spikes have occurred, they are under Democrat rule. We've also seen kind of even governors a lot of times like we have in New York at, at the state level, not just cities here, they've taken steps you know, with things like what they call bail reform to make it easier for these criminals to get back on the street. Do you think this is something that the average American is noticing? Or do you think that the right maybe needs to get more on top of the message that, hey, if you are worried about your safety, these are things that are actively going to hurt your chances of improving, I I guess, what's happening on the streets. Yeah. You know, Lauren, I think that uh, Republicans should do a better job of connecting the dots and drawing that thread out in these messages. Because crime, as you mentioned, that is one of the issues that women are most concerned about. And then when you look at the soft on crime policies and you look at how emboldened the cartels and the gangs are because of this soft on crime policy of this administration, plus the open border that this administration allows. And then you look at the fact that the cartels have teamed up with the Chinese Communist Party on fentanyl. And the Chinese are um, are manufacturing the fentanyl. They get it into Mexico, and some of it is manufactured there by Chinese scientists. And then what do they do? They push it across the border by the cartels and into our communities. It is important to realize you've got that China connection, Chinese Communist Party connection. You have the Mexican cartel connection. These cartels are global businesses. Last year, they had people from 176 different countries come to our southern border. Nobody comes to that border without going through the cartel. When you look at the fact that terrorists are trying to get into our country through that border, 
MS-13 gang members are coming across that border. When you look at how the, the cartels have militarized their actions there at the border, the equipment they're using, the drones they're using to surveil our border patrol and local law enforcement that is in that area. What this says is pay close attention, look at who is working with whom, and then realize that when you have these open borders, these soft on crime policies, this lack of hesitancy to challenge people who are our adversaries, this does not make our city streets and our neighborhoods safe. Now, I doubt, frankly, with Biden in the White House, as well as the Democrats in the Senate, that we are going to be expecting any change with the situation on the southern border in the immediate future. But looking beyond, I guess, the next election cycle, what policies do you think might actually start to combat these issues that have really just exploded in seriousness within the past two years? What policies can voters look for when they're looking at different candidates who they might want to support in the future? Yes, and I think you have to start with the fact that the southern border needs to be uh, defended and it needs to be protected. Law enforcement for years has said they need a physical barrier, better technology, and more officers and agents. That's a policy that deserves support. Likewise, Senator Graham has legislation that would classify these cartels as terrorist organizations. Senator Cotton has a bill that would classify fentanyl as a schedule one drug. This gives us more authority to go after those cartels. And I have legislation that would prohibit these cartel members from living in our government housing and receiving government benefits. And by working with local law enforcement, we have learned that that is one of the problems that they have. These individuals, may be apprehended and booked. They get out on bail and they're going back to government housing and receiving U.S. taxpayer government benefits. Unbelievable. So it is unbelievable. And these are all things that immediately should be done. Those benefits should be stripped the minute they're arrested. And they should not be able to wait out that time until trial on the taxpayer dime. So common sense approaches would make a big difference. Likewise, making certain that our communities know that there are grants that are going to put more uh, information, more equipment, more training for our communities so that they can bolster their police forces and have more cops on the beat. Well said. So, Senator, thank you so much for your time. Where can people keep up with what you're doing and the issues that you're passionate about? Yes, they're going to find me on social media at Marsha Blackburn. They can also sign up for our newsletter that we send out every Friday afternoon. And that you're going to find at blackburn.senate.gov. Great. And Senator, thank you so much for the work that you do, both for, for Tennessee and the nation as a whole. It's been a pleasure as always. Always. So nice to talk with you. Thank you, Lauren.